0: 4 one, two, one, two. Right, all right, lads. A little bit of a McConaughey twist on that for you. (laughs) Don't know why, just felt like doing it. Hey, sometimes that's all the reasons you need, right? Sure. Anyway, I am Mal Foster, and you are listening to the latest episode of Dimed Out, which after 20 episodes now is kind of finally beginning to take its own shape, form its own character, find its own unique sense of being. It's kind of like that stage of... Late teens, young adolescents, when you stop listening to your friends so much and start listening to yourself a bit more. Yeah, that period. I think we're in that sort of incubation area. You know, when you go into the library and you're going to second-hand record stores and you're digging through stuff and you're finding books and films and music that speaks to you, that you like, not just because it's popular or because your friend likes it or because that girl likes it, but because you like it. We're in that stage, I think, I think. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm never really ever sure about anything. So, who knows. Actually, do you know what? I'm doing myself a disservice there. Because there are some things that I'm definitely certain of. For example, pineapple does not belong on a pizza. Period. Anyone that disagrees is, is wrong. And also a maniac. Jaws is a movie that everybody, and I mean everybody, should have seen at least twice. At least. If you haven't, then... I honestly don't know if we can pursue this relationship any further. If that is the case, and that's what it comes down to, then, you know, it's not me. It's most definitely you. Something else that I'm absolutely positively certain and sure about is that this episode, this podcast episode right now that you're hearing that is percolating inside of your brain box as I speak, this is one you do not want to miss. So recently... I had the utmost pleasure of sitting down with this week's special guest and picking his brains. His name is Scott Davidson, and he runs what is called Living Adaptive. Now, I'm not going to get too much into detail about what Living Adaptive is, because Scott's going to do that in the conversation you're going to hear in just a few moments. More to the point, he's going to do that in a much more eloquent and dimensional fashion than I could do Yeah, so I'm going to leave that for Scott to explain to you. But what I will say is that it is an idea, it's a body of work, it's a platform, it's a community, it's an initiative that I can get behind, that I am an advocate for, and hopefully after hearing this conversation with Scott, you guys will go check it out, you'll go listen to his podcast, and you too will feel the same. I know my audience, I know that you're good people. I know that you're good people, and so I feel like this will be something that you will gravitate towards too. So, yeah, anyway, uh, do that. Go check out his stuff. Go check out Living Adaptive once you've heard the, the conversation you're about to hear. What I will say as a side note, and you will hear it for yourself in the conversation, is that this is something Scott truly believes in, and you can buy that authenticity without question. Like, this is a dude that is sincere to the core, that loves what he's doing, and is driven by that love for what he's doing. Yeah, I have nothing but the utmost time and respect for Scott and it was an absolute pleasure getting to sit down and pick his brains about his story and about what Living Adaptive is but you know without any further rambling why am I still rambling let's get into it this is me talking to Scott about Living Adaptive and so much more. I'm going to jump into this. What is the adaptive community? So the adaptive
1: community is, well, adaptive is a different term of saying basically disabled. So it's a more positive turn on, turn, term for it. So are we recording this as part of the interview? Sorry. No, yeah, we're
0: going. <laughs> we're good. Okay. My bad. Okay. So let
1: me uh, hit that again. Sorry, everyone. Anyway, so the adaptive side is a more positive way of looking at it. Instead of saying like, do you have the ability to do something or maybe you don't, or maybe you have the disability, we're mm-hmm. saying you're adaptive so you have challenges in my case i have limb challenges you know they are i do have a disability but i'm adaptive i'm able to adapt to what i have and thrive despite these challenges so that's what adaptive is all about the adaptive community is a lot of times seen as athletes but it really it transcends that we've got comedians we've got artists you know it's everybody and anybody that's adaptive and really you're adaptive too but it's more known for the disability community but you yeah. are very much adaptive as a person you know you're adaptive to talk to anybody on these podcasts and do the things you do and and that's that's what it's all about
0: i love it i'm a big fan of of utilizing language as as a way to sort of progress ourselves mm-hmm. individually and as as a collective species and i think language is definitely a tool that can can do that in great leaps and bounds so i love the fact that you put a positive spin on it and that you sort of engineered it to push push it forward and see it as a positive aspect
1: yeah having the positive side i think for me like people say why did you start living adaptive why did you do that well adaptive was around for a bit it started to really hit in like maybe the mid 2000s late 2000s you'd start to see the term way more than like uh para athlete you see it adaptive athlete and then it really blossomed like around 2013 14 maybe 15 areas and so like utilizing that word and then creating this platform said Hey, we're not, we're not a victim of like what we're doing, of our circumstances, or we're not like accommodating it. We're just adapting to it. We're adapting to it and then going and having that term has really helped, especially the younger generation because mm-hmm. that idea of disability, yeah, it's a real term. You need it in some climates, you know, especially when it comes to advocacy and other things. But then that adaptive side is way cooler, you know, like it's a way, uh, more robust, beautiful term of like, uh, of going out and creating something good with
0: it. I'm really glad you touched on the sort of younger demographic and and the younger members of the community. I'm going to get into that in a little bit because I do think that is a really interesting point to touch upon. But first and foremost, I think before we get into anything else, um, I want to know what is your adaptive story, Scott? Okay, so I was born a long, long time ago in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. When I was born,
1: my parents were alerted. Now they can see from ultrasounds, ultrasounds weren't that common, Mm -hmm. that I was born with club foot. And club foot, people think it's just impacting the foot. That's not the case. Clubfoot impacts the whole entire chain often. We even have different muscle tissues. If you biopsy a a muscle tissue, you'll see there's difference there. And so my case happened to be really severe, really severe, meaning that they casted me from week one in the hospital, and then the corrections weren't happening. I was really rigid. We weren't getting flat. So a clubfoot, your feet invert, and then you have really skinny calves often because you have a lot of atrophy from being inside the womb and a lot of times there's disorders in the joints and stuff but they needed to get the feet flat that's the goal that's the only treatment really that exists right now and it's not a it's not like a perfect fix but it gets us a little bit closer long story short i had to have the surgeries too and these surgeries are super feared because they often lead towards a lot of arthritis a lot of other issues in the feet and they don't fully correct anyway so i had the surgeries And I went through all of that and then I casting. So I never really saw more than two pictures of my feet without cast because I was in cast from like week one all the way to like two years of age. And so I don't know what it's like, but I will say this, like for club foot, I want those listening to know that this is very much a disability. But then at the same time, you start very disabled, but there's ways of making you less disabled through medical intervention. And it's gotten better over the years, but it's still not better. And then you have people that have it really light, like a Troy Aikman, a famous football player here in the state. Mm -hmm. And then you have the first two people I ever met like me don't have their legs anymore. They're amputees because it was that bad. There's just no, we don't know why it's there. We're guessing genetics. We're guessing environmental causes. There's just no known reason, but like, that's just, it just happened. And really there's nothing we can do. I say this all the time. I was born different. I can't go back and change that. If I could, I wouldn't change it and I can get into that. Mm. But I would say this that like we just we just made the best of what we got at the time. And so and the variation is so big. So that's my adaptive side. And then and then from there, you know, community blossomed.
0: Yeah. How how did you get into that? Because I, I think it's, it's a great starting point to kind of dig into to your adaptive story, but how is it that you found yourself um getting into living well first of all what is living adaptive and how is it that you came to create it
1: so living adaptive is like a content creation platform um and it started as a content creation platform almost exclusively it's moved to a lot of different things right now but it started as a podcast i was really alone if you want the dark side of it like the difficult side sure it when it was like i think it was like 2013 i'm at my kids swim meet and I'm wearing shorts and adult comes up and makes some like some comments about the way I look. And I do look different. I'm very especially when I'm in sandals, you see a whole bunch of flip-flops. You'll see a whole bunch of scars. And my legs are so skinny. I'm six foot three, hundred and eighty pounds, and I have six inch ankles. And so they're they're really um different. And the comment came in, I don't know why it triggered something so bad in me. Kind of like childhood, like where I was bullied over it. Yeah. And I remember going back to the house and just defeated. And I didn't wear shorts again. And it was like 80 degrees, 90 degrees, a ton of humidity that summer. And I hid myself. And I was looking for stories similar to mine. Like, you look different. You have a disability. What, how'd you deal with it? Like, how did you get through this? Cause right now I'm having a tough time. I was mm-hmm. able to get through it in childhood. But right now something's triggered to me and I'm like really messed up. And I couldn't find anything. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to create that. I'm going to figure out a way to create that, share those stories. And so Living Adaptive came out of that. I went out of my way to like figure out who are the best in the world at adapting. You know, They've done something notable or supporting organizations that are doing something notable. We're going to air those stories. We're going to find a template on what it takes to adapt and thrive despite the adversity you face. And that's how Living Adaptive came about.
0: I think it's, first of all, I think uh, as an as an idea that has blossomed and grown and continues to grow, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that you're doing. Um, I, I generally do. I think it is, uh, as I said to you before we started, I, I genuinely feel that at all times we need to be, as a collective, regardless of our situation and scenario, as a collective, we need to be looking at building people up rather than tearing them down And for me digging into living adaptive this last week and a half, that's definitely the vibe that I've got from what you're doing.
1: Thank you. You know, that's a nice compliment because like one of the things I always encounter parents are freaked out. They're like, my son's born like you Mm -hmm. and either they're told it's a lot less than what it is, or they're told it's a lot more than what it is. And it's like, it's rarely in between. You've got one doctor in the entire world that I trust right now dealing with it. And he's just booked solid. In fact, I'll be interviewing him soon. And this is just to my disability. We can get into amputees, spinal cord injuries, all the other adaptations that are out there. And the point being is that there's just so much mystery out there. And the most common thing is, will my kid be okay? Am I right. going to be okay? And if we could teach people that, like, you're going to be okay. Like, if you lose your legs, if you go to a chair, if you have cancer, if you're terminal and people have, you know, or were terminal, they did die, Guest on a show. and But you can still do something. Like, Matthew Haddon, From the uk he had osteosarcoma like fault in our stars and he made something beautiful out of it to his last moments and like we talk about how that can happen because like whether you're getting bullied whether you have an illness whether you have something we can't really control it but if you're still alive you do have the gift of the response
0: that's a wonderful thing. And, and that's a phrase that I think I'm going to be taking, to be honest. Go <laughs> ahead, I, take it. I feel like that is just that generally is, is rife with empowerment. And I feel like that's what the community is in itself. I think um, it works on two fundamental levels from what I've seen from, from an outsider's perspective that isn't within the adaptive community. I think it's great at breaking stigmas. I think it's great at framing people in, in a light that maybe other people haven't seen them before and and shows what they're capable of and, and who they are, you know, and I think it's really good um, at moving that forward and sort of challenging people's preconceptions from the outside. But I also do think it's really good at banding people that are going through an adaptive journey or are in the full throes of, of adapting or have adapted. It brings them together and, and sort of creates this sense of, of harmony and community and, and sort of inspiration and empowerment. Um, I have found going through the stories that you've been sort of detailing and sharing, and I think anybody that dives into this after this will find exactly the same, is that it really is a vibrant example of perseverance, determination and empowerment. My question for you, Scott, is... Have you encountered, and I'm sure there are probably many, and it's too hard to sort of pull any specific ones out, but are there any stories or examples that have just really blown your mind or resonated with you personally while you've been doing this?
1: There's so many stories, but this one always shocks everybody. Okay. There's this lady, Diana Doyle. She's from Australia. She's like interviewed two on my show. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a disability. She doesn't have anything. She's a caregiver. Where I, fi- I find a ton of the suffering is the loved ones on the side. The parents, um, maybe the spouse, the boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, they're suffering so much because they're watching the loved one suffer. And Diana Doyle's story of watching her kid slowly die due to, you know, how the child was born with a disability, but then at the same time, the body was shutting down and watching this child die and her talking about this process has forever impacted me. I will never be the same. We haven't even talked since the last, like a week after we did the interview four years ago. That one just changed everything about me there's i fundamentally i was thinking whoa it's not just us adaptive athletes that are out there suffering or not just athletes but us with disabilities that are suffering physical side yeah we have the surgeries and stuff but these people are sitting on the sidelines being like what can i do to help them what can i do to make this go away and so it's so hard and so that is where i really want to focus a lot of my energy on is like is that you need to take care of yourself like a lot of these parents think that they caused this maybe i smoked weed or something <laughs> They smoke smoked some weed or something and now my kid came out with a disability that probably wasn't the case and let's just say it was the case it does us no good anymore because you can't change it and right. so um those stories impacted me a lot seeing that side because i knew it from the perspective of somebody that was dealing with something i didn't know it from the perspective of a caregiver that profoundly effect- affected me but then also like if it came to stories like personal stories, Daniel Edmondson, um, the long border, that's a double amputee from, you know, a train accident. He's from uh, Minnesota, just a really impactful story that just doesn't get heard. These ones that are, you know, I've had comedians on that are super famous. I've had other people on that don't have a story. They're all equally profound. But when I get a story that I haven't heard before, but because by the time you get somebody that's been all over AGT or right. stuff, you get this, this one, and you're like, Whoa, this is a, This is a stone cold hero sitting up there, you know, in Minnesota that has such a profound story. And we're going to get it today.
0: I suppose that is the power of stories and being able to share them is is that it gives you the opportunity to kind of look through somebody else's eyes, as I suppose is the case with with the the example you gave. Um, And I think that's one of the like the absolute um, huge pros towards uh, living adaptive is that it gives people an insight. In, into other people's stories and and it allows them to connect with parts of the world and, and and parts of the human experience that they may not have otherwise encountered themselves.
1: Yeah, and I would say too, like um, a lot of people felt alone. I mean, disability—you can go, how many people have a physical challenge? Well, everybody's going to have one if you're lucky to live long enough. I preach this all the time. I say it in a lot of interviews. I was asked in an interview um, recently, why why is the adaptive athlete so important? And, you know, I wasn't even a jock growing up. I could care less. I wanted to play guitar and skateboard, you know, like I wasn't like your standard jock. You know what I mean? But like I started running and started doing stuff just to push the envelope. And then that question arises, why is this adaptive athlete so important? And I tell people all the time, the adaptive athlete is the human condition magnified. And what I mean by that is that if you're lucky to live long enough, you're going to, you know, you'll hit the wall. Your body will decline. Mm and And by looking at the adaptive athlete, you can see us hit the wall at like maybe birth, 13 years old, 35 years old. But once we hit the wall, we'll show you how to deal with the wall, either go over it, around it, through it, or whatever. But we'll show you how to deal with that wall and still
0: live a good life. In terms of of challenging the wall, as you put it, to kind of tie off from there, in your interview with, with Stephen Walker, you mentioned that at times you've approached things with a chip on your shoulder. How has that mindset affected your adaptive journey and you as a person?
1: A lot of insecurity lives in me, you know, like a lot of insecurity when you're like ridiculed for your legs, like, Mm -hmm. uh, you do get a chip on your shoulder. I was asked, what was my favorite book growing up? And I have to give a shout out to my teacher, Miss son, who was a, you know, I, I struggled greatly academically speaking in elementary school. She pulled me aside and we read all the works of Poe. And then we read the Phantom of the Opera and that right there, it like kind of describes the chip on a shoulder. I look different. The Phantom looked different. And I, like, I shouldn't be a third grade boy sitting there just like, whoa, the <laughs> phantom of me, like, I don't plan on cutting a chandelier down any day, but like, I can relate to being different and oddity, yeah. you know? And like, that was, that was where I was sitting and that created a chip on my shoulder. I was doubted all the time. Um, in elementary school, I remember being told by like students, I could crush you in a race or something, or you can't do this. So I became the fastest kid in my grade for one year. I second fastest for a long time after that. And I, that should not happen. Not when you see my legs. I just was so driven on like, please don't doubt me, you know?
0: Do you do you find that at that times when you have been doubted, when you've kind of been second guessed, that that has acted as, as fuel, like you've harnessed those emotions and mindsets, which may be often seen purely as a negative, you've adapted them and, and actually used them as fuel to push you forward?
1: Always, always. One thing with physical challenges is like, for whatever reason, they tie it to cognitive challenges. Mm -hmm. And um, academically speaking, like back with that teacher, I felt like I was counted out, you know, Scott looks different. He's dealing with this. And I felt like that kind of related to how teachers approached me. And so I struggled, I struggled K through 12. And then I decided like, I'm going to crush it in college. And that created a positive out of a negative. I'm going to go make it happen in college and go as far as I can. And then on the athletic side, if I get doubted athletically speaking, I'll go pick up a big challenge like climbing Cotopaxi 20,000 feet was supposed to be this week, COVID canceled it, but I'll take that. People say, you know, you're born this way. You can't do it. And I'm like, "Um, I disagree. I'm going to go do it.
0: You know? (laughs) Absolutely. I think there is something in that alone that is, is to be sort of revered and, and, and loved just being able to kind of formulate a sort of mental toughness to be able and, and the sort of real growth in, in emotional intelligence as well, because these are emotions, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. these these are sort of things that um, everybody faces and you can either, you know, sort of let the weight of them, their sort of natural weight sort of push you down and, and perish, or you can kind of dig into them and and try and sort of repurpose them. And it, and it seems like a lot of the people you've talked to have done that.
1: A ton do to it. Like, the people, unfortunately, the ones I'm not interviewing struggle a lot. There's so much struggle in the community, and um, and so like, and it's not just the community; it's everybody. It's it's the human experience to struggle. Just yeah. sometimes it's more magnified on somebody is missing a limb, or just had an accident. And so, like Stephen Walker's an example. Stephen Walker's arm is completely deformed; it's withered down, and Stephen Walker has been to the doctor like three times, I think, for it. just figured out like i'm just gonna deal with what i have and just go Mm. and and that like bottling that up i i do find a commonality i don't speak about it uh enough i think but the commonality that i find in everybody is that no matter how bad it's getting like the darts are flying at you and you're just like what i find with a lot of them is they still just stay laser like focused meaning that they have a goal they have something they're passionate about and then they're not going to screw this up. They're going to stay focused, go after the goal, no matter how bad it feels. For example, you may be super depressed that day. You may not want to go out and do something. But with that depression, you can still you can still go out and do it, even though you feel bad. Like mm-hmm. if you really want to surf that day and you feel terrible, you're saying, there's no way I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a bad day or something, or I'm going to have a bad week you can kind of turn it around or you can at least stay focused on a goal that I want to be a better surfer. So I'm going to go out and surf today, no matter how bad I feel. And that's what I see with these people, that people I interview is that they go out and do it no matter how bad they feel. And eventually they kind of play that role and they do feel better.
0: Something you mentioned a little bit earlier is um, if you could go back and change your circumstances, you wouldn't. How long is that something that you've kind of sat with and and sort of accepted? Because I presume, you know, everybody goes through different stages of their own acceptance um is is it something that has been recent or is this something that you've you've kind of been uh, attached to for for some time
1: growing up i would have changed it yeah growing up as a kid like having a teacher stare having a kid come a rap is you know hands around luckily i went to a small school in the end everybody like was friendly we knew each other but still there was outsiders you know when i played football i remember people just pointing like go hit his legs you know stuff like that figure it out like what's what's a good way to take them out and you're thinking like i had all the tangibles to be a really really great athlete you know and if 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 i just wasn't born with my lower limbs messed up you know i could have lived a lot of different dreams i'm sure of i'm mm-hmm. positive of that and so at times i'm like man this is bullshit. why am i born this way so you know a lot of people say you're a miracle you're doing great everything i'm like well why didn't the miracle happen before i was born you know like clean me up and maybe better. So there was a lot of doubts and a lot of um like I wish I could change it. Somewhere switched. I don't know what happened like but somewhere switched where all of a sudden I was I had gratitude. And I don't know what day that was or what week, but I would think about it a lot. I'm like, why do I have this kindness? Why do I care about people so much? Cuz I really do. And it doesn't sound you know very humble saying it right here, but I really do give a damn about people. Mm-hmm. And I think that If I wasn't born this way, like if I say this a lot. If I could go on a DeLorean, you know, go go back in time and back to the future, Doc throws me in a DeLorean, we go back and he's like, dude, here's the magic one, you know, like let's change this thing. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change a thing. And the reason why, and I sincerely say this, because like if I didn't if I didn't if I wasn't born this way, I wouldn't be in this adaptive community. I wouldn't have built this platform. I wouldn't have got to hang out with the people I did. I wouldn't get the challenges I get. And at the same time, all that adversity, all the bullying, the surgery, the, the treatments, the pain, everything built so much empathy and goodness inside of me. I don't think I could have gotten that
0: without the challenges. I think you're absolutely right. There's something that I've been reading into a little bit of light and gravitating towards myself personally it's it's a latin phrase called amor fati and basically it translates as the love of fate and it's basically an attitude that embraces everything that we go through including suffering and loss is good or mm-hmm. at the very least necessary to help mold us into who we are or who we can be and and i feel like i don't i don't want to project it on anybody that doesn't believe that because we should all be you know free to believe and and mm-hmm. sort of attach ourselves to whatever but i think that's honestly something that has helped me and I, I see that as as being just a positive building block for anybody that's going through anything at the minute so it kind of feels like that, that you're kind of in that same sphere i guess
1: yeah absolutely like that's a great saying i've never heard it before so thank you for sharing it because like oh, no that's how i feel like I, I definitely feel that way um we always hear that with the great philosophers like c.s lewis for instance was always the problem of pain and then you have got like the other great ones that are you the email. Plato, Socrates, all the others, and you get to hear so many amazing things that deal with, like, you know, this this builds a whole different side of a human being going through the suffering. And so, like, I, I do believe that's possible, but, like, when I started to feel
0: that way, I didn't know who C.S. Lewis was or anybody else, you know? Um, I wanted to kind of circle back to something we, we touched upon briefly. Since starting Living Adaptive, what kind of reaction have you seen from young people currently adapting? And I'm putting emphasis on young people because... You know, being young and growing up on its own is a transitional period, but kind of adapting and going through the sort of pains of becoming a young person, it's got to be its own sort of unique strand of of progression. So how have you found that Living Adaptive has, has kind of got, what kind of reactions has it got from young people that you've seen so far?
1: A lot of good, and then a lot of parents hate it. Yeah parents are saying dude you're you're going to influence my kid to go do something stupid you know (laughs) and i'm like yes i am you know (laughs) you know i have a whole reckless adaptive thing i was going to
0: ask about that yeah
1: yeah i'm like don't be scared to get hurt again don't be scared to get hurt in general because like if you live in a bubble i watch parents of children born like me and they're just saying like no my kid's gonna do this sport they're gonna be like really great at swimming and i'm like okay but what if your kid does want to skateboard or what if your kid does want to play football or track you just limited them the most disabling factor i find in a lot of lives is the parents they're telling their kids that like you can't you can't you can't what if you're 50 and you have to have your leg chopped off and it's like well what if they're 50 and stem cells work what if they are 50 and a, you know and something an exoskeleton is great And you just limited 50 beautiful years of pushing it and so like that is a very frustrating process now on the side of adaptive athletes it's very great, but there's, um, you know, there's a lot of balance there too. I find that adaptive in general, the most downloads I get aren't athletes. It's, it's like artists and comedians and stuff like that. They crush it. Like the, in terms of downloads, like the community, the embracing has been more outside of the adaptive athlete and, and towards the other side, even though, you know, we have a lot of athletes on. And so it's, it's interesting to see that, to see how that's developed, but the, Embracing has been really good. I think that um, as long as we keep it pure, meaning that I don't take sponsors that can infringe on it, like I don't take a sponsorship from a wheelchair company or Mm -hmm. or whatever, um, then we can keep it pure. Because there's been episodes like where somebody had uh, experimental surgery, and literally stocks will change, like based on who's you know whatever company that is. People say she's feeling good, so let's go. You know, let's raise. You know, we believe this is going to work. This treatment is going to work for spinal cord injury. So you see a lot of that. So as long as I keep it pure and everybody knows that I'm real, I make mistakes at the same time by swearing and doing other things, you know, you know, like they just know that there's just going to get a real story here and we're not going to let outside brands influence us
0: see that's one thing that I, I genuinely i mean everything that you've done so far I, I'm, I'm absolutely on board with but one thing that i think um really kind of wanted me to to pursue getting you on the show to talk about this is is you the way you present yourself it comes across as as genuine and authentic and you can see that anyone that has listened to the to the audio podcast anyone that's seen the video versions will get that will see that that you come across very much as a sort of pure and authentic and genuine person um and i think that Thank that you. definitely bleeds through and i think when when you're dealing with with what you're dealing with and and you are putting out content for for young people that are going through their adaptive journey i think that is like absolutely paramount to see not somebody like phoning it in or like glad handling it someone that is just being very real and honest and and down to earth about all the topics that you're covering
1: the greatest downloads too or the greatest like replays come from the people that are vulnerable you know, they're not the ones with the fake Instagram accounts. In fact, we've moved away from even looking at Instagram accounts for um, shows because there's been games so much. It's the people that are like genuine and they break down like how hard it was. Like when they're able to talk about that experience of bullying, that's huge because that's the reality. You're going to get bullied. You're going to mm-hmm. have to go through that experience. People are going to take pictures. They're they're going to look at you and like, what do you do when that happens? And that's, that's kind of the stuff we talk about because you can run. On a track and do amazing things, but then you got to go home that day and do regular life. And we want to address that too.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Is is that something that you you're really kind of pushing into with with living adaptive? Is not just the, the the sort of physical and and mental and artistic accomplishments, but also just dealing with daily life.
1: Yes, all the time we try to express that. Like I, I was talking to Bob Babbitt off the air. Bob Babbitt founded Challenge Athletes Foundation, the largest athletic foundation for adaptive athletes in the world and they fund and grant fund at a level that nobody's ever seen and bob and i were talking about like when the music's done when the race is over what happens and there's so much pain well how do we you know how do we maybe find a better path and that's what we talk about quite a bit i'm hoping we can do that you know and and but everybody's so unique and different so to find that path it's definitely individual based And it does cause a lot of worry, you know. But a lot of things we're moving towards are social movements. How do we like counter when they don't have resources? Well, social movement, like like Forest Stump, that organization Forest Stump with Nicole Verk Island, Mm -hmm. that's one that I've really tied to recently because it doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair and amputee or whatever. We're going to talk about how we can support each other and to change legislation and insurance so that you can have supportive services. Like she really eloquently talked about how, you know if you're you're able if you're not disabled you're able to get an acl surgery an mcl surgery or something and you're able to go run after that but say you're disabled and you just need a dynamic afo that's not covered by insurance some of them and most of them the best aren't covered unless you're a veteran so if you're born that way you don't even have the chance to be a veteran and so you're sitting in a bed hoping to move more or in a chair you can't because the resources aren't there the resources don't exist so we're moving towards like how do we get more resources so when the music's done, the race is over. Everyday life can be a little bit better.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that is it's like of of the most paramount value, you know, because as you say, it's it's great to sort of um, spotlight and and share the stories of, of people that have done amazing physical things, but you know, to to kind of give a sort of outlet and a sort of beacon of hope for people that maybe aren't um, transitioning into sort of physical activities or artistic expressions, but but are just living. I think that is is great for you to be heading in that direction
1: yeah that's where we're, we're seeing there's a huge gap um almost i say this to the adaptive athletes that want to make a name you know get sponsorships so they can do their next event i say oh people are almost callous towards the adaptive athlete it's been seen on tiktok instagram everywhere a hundred times now how many times have we seen an amputee run a marathon a million and so like now you got to get creative and you got to figure out how you can bring your own brand or develop yourself in your own way so you can bring something authentic and, and something that people can take away from. And this is where I encourage them to go. I, I'm constantly encouraging people to build that platform that lifts up others.
0: Yeah, and, and by injecting their own personality and their own sort of authentic sense of self, it's definitely going to be a boost, not only to what they're trying to accomplish and establish, but to to those that are looking in on what they're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing. Um, Just, just going through this whole process has been huge, though. It's been so uh, inviting because, like, I didn't feel invited for a long time. I didn't feel invited in the regular world and, like, meaning regular non disabled world, but, like, I mm-hmm. can put on pants and I'm not disabled to the world. I just walk with a limp, you know? I walk a little funny and, and that's it. That's the problem with, and the same with an amputee. You put on a pair of jeans, you don't know the person's an amputee, depending on the socket and depending on the things they're working with. Right. And so, like, We have these things going on behind the scenes, you know, that, that are just so different. And so everyday life is that grind, you know, and dealing with like the invisible side of whether it's the disability or the other challenges that exist around that disability.
0: What I want to ask for you is is how has grown um, I'll start again jeez <laughs> this is a future self this is where you make a slight edit
1: yeah of course
0: how has growing the living adaptive community affected you personally has the common threads within the community and the stories you've encountered helped grow you as a person in certain areas so i've grown a lot i'm much happier so much happier i used to
1: like talking about like what i've dealt with and talking about how i'm different has made me so much happier and then at the same time i'm i'm like in a passion project it's like like we always hear that like live your passion you mm-hmm. know live it turned out to work for me it turned out to make me really happy um sometimes i wish i could press pause because life is going so great i don't want my kids to grow up you know like i want them all to stay like this you know like happy and peaceful and and like going after these passionate projects and then at the same time, living adaptive is a much bigger grind behind the scenes. The work to put out, the content's hard. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of time. And then also there's a lot of people that aren't happy, you know, like they want to have something similar. And so like, instead of working together, I'll start any, I, I will say this too, it's like, I will start anybody's, I will help anybody build a podcast doing exactly what I do. Cause I think it's so important to, to get these stories out, but At the same time, they'll often see me as a competitor or something. And so like we're not working together and it hurts things. Like we're not moving in the same area. And then other times they see that I'll give the small voice. Like for instance, I gave the small, the voice to a guy that's a spinal cord injury that is building a wheelchair and he's building in his backyard and he's making them for $250. He tells you it costs about 250 for a base chair and I'm selling them for 500 and you can get outdoors and go through like creeks and everything. That's unheard of. I gave him the platform and major wheelchair companies, huge ones start trashing the guy to me. Personal messages, literally still have them. And so like that type of stuff exists that people don't see behind the scenes is that we're fighting. We are fighting huge, huge companies and bad souls, bad salespeople souls that are just there to, they don't care that they're going to destroy that person. They don't care at all. And Facebook groups and everything, they don't give a shit because it comes down to money
0: unfortunately it does and and we find ourselves in that right now uh on on a a mass scale is kind of like weeding through the good and the bad Mm -hmm. um but yeah that is that is awful to think that here is somebody that is using their own ingenuity taking inspiration from their situation and doing something which is going to benefit others and yet because it could be seen as a slight financial competition i'm being trashed by like it's 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 just kind of disgusting, to be honest. It
1: is. It's like it's our own community eating each other and then yeah. outsiders, outsiders are doing it too. So our own community says, I'm going to partner up with this organization and I'm going to take down this little guy. And so that's why we don't take like I don't take sponsors is because mm-hmm. I want them to know that we're kind of like I don't want to say the punk rockers such a 90s, 80s, 90s term for it, but we are.
0: Do it. No, own it. I don't care how dated it is. Punk rock never goes out in fashion. Scott punk rock is always kick-ass, and I'm going to say it for you. Yeah, you are the punk rock version.
1: Thank you, man. Like, that's what we're going for, and, like, I want, like, and and these people hate me. I probably won't be able to participate in a certain race I do because of that, in my opinion, and I won't, you know, like, I've lost um, partnerships due to this, because I've walked away from the table of people that could really boost up what I'm doing, and Mm -hmm. I've walked away from it because I'm like, if I do that now, what does this even matter?
0: Exactly, and um, and if if nothing else, you you were keeping your integrity for it, and and it shows those that are coming towards the community, those that are kind of investing in it, those that are uh, migrating to it from a fresh standpoint. It, it shows what you're about. It shows again that there is a sense of genuine sincerity and integrity, and that is fucking priceless. Thank you, man. I'd rather <laughs> be poor.
1: I'd rather be poor, right? Yeah. Fuck the rest of it. Because like, really, I'd rather be poor sitting in a closet and recording a podcast than be have a lot of money to screwing people over. Who cares?
0: It boils down to this across the board in everything. From my perspective, if you're happy doing what you're doing and what you're doing is having a positive effect for other people, nothing else matters.
1: Agreed. Agreed. It's all about how like, it's all about that right there. Like you got one life. I don't know what happens after. I Mm -hmm. don't know anything, but you got like one go at this. So you might as well do it well. You know, you might as well do it really well.
0: You might as well do it well and you might as well do it in a way that's going to make you happy and that's going to make you feel fulfilled and and have, you know, the potential to have a positive effect Mm -hmm. in some fashion. So my next question is that it seems that there is a lot of room for diversity and inclusion in the adaptive community. How important is it to live in adaptive to explore that diversity
1: so one thing that i've noticed especially during the black lives matter movement is that we we as a community a lot of people turn their backs on it if we're going to talk inclusivity all of a sudden you're not open to the idea of like maybe there is a bigger problem because we've known there's a huge problem in the disability community the ada passed 30 years ago today and there's tons of room to grow now we're talking black lives matter and we're going to deny that there's like maybe we should at least examine what's going on there when our own athletes are telling us we're screwed Add in that here's a call out to all the organizations out there i don't see any any black people running these organizations near me and -hmm. they're adaptive i see non-adaptive white people running them and i talk about this a little bit is like even percentage wise based on a country's percentage we're not seeing that representation in our own community it's like, that's huge. And then we can get into every other side of the coin, which we do a little bit on episodes. I think Nicole Verkailen and um, Catherine Beatty and Stephen Walker, we all went into it a little bit. And it's kind of, it's it's a difficult thing because we should be the most inclusive community, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's the only disability, I will say this, or it's the only, I guess you could say minority that anybody can join. That means like, if you're in a wreck tomorrow, welcome to the club, right. you know, if it's bad enough.
0: right. Is there anything you want to throw in for yourself? Because I've pretty much reached the end of my notes, near enough. Um, is there anything else you want to, you want to dive into or, or touch upon in particular?
1: No, not really. I think that the one thing that I want to present to everybody is like you can be born different. You can have like we can have these dramatic stories, but like it's still the everybody's hurting. Everybody's hurting at some point in their life. They're going through the the emotions, the and there's something you can do better. Probably not better in a sense like you're not doing enough, but maybe to help yourself feel better. And again, I want to go back to the commonality of everything. This, what I see on the people I interview is that go get that goal. Go get that thing you want. You know, you really want. Not like I want to rise up to like general manager at Jiffy Lube or some shit. Like really, what do you fucking want in life? And yeah. go get that. Like, go focus on that. No matter how bad you feel that day, get out of bed and just fucking do it. Whatever that step is and just keep going. Because that's what I'm finding. Anybody has gone through something significant, they have that goal, they have that peace in front of them, and they're getting out of bed each day and doing it, even if they're going through a breakup or they're sick or something like that, and they find success and peace even during the storm.
0: And I think that is the perfect way to round this this um, fantastic conversation off. I am so grateful that you agreed to spend some time with me, Scott. I really do appreciate it. Before we go, um, where can people find the excellent work that you're doing and what can they do to support what you're doing? Well, first malcolm thanks for having me and i would
1: say the best places to go are social media right now living adaptive on facebook living at underscore adaptive on instagram and then you'll get linked off to youtube channels and stuff like that we're mostly still audio only but we do have video shows but that's where our audience is sitting so go check out both whatever whatever works for you go check out both and um you'll find us there and if you want to reach out just reach out we're a very welcoming you know community
0: there you go, you heard it there, guys um, go reach out, go check out the stuff that Scott is doing, and that the living um adaptive community is really pushing forward fantastic stories across the board in so many different capacities. I think if you sit with them you will you will find something whether you can identify whether you are looking in from the outside uh there's 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 threads in there there is a, just a real real positive movement growing from this, and yeah, as I said, absolutely um so pleased that you agreed to come and talk with me for a little bit today thank you malcolm so there you go what an absolutely charming, personable fella, Scott Davidson, with such a great project that he's had going for some time now, and that seems to be, thankfully, growing and going from strength to strength. Yeah, I like I said at the top of the show, I'm a big fan of this. Since finding it, I've just kind of I've only just scratched the surface. I know he's been doing it a while. I know he's got a lot banked in terms of the the incredible stories, and believe me, they are incredible we're talking about like incredible amazing feats of perseverance, determination and just physicality and mentality it's it's mind-boggling. You know, we've talked in the past on this show about how physical health and mental health are sort of intrinsically locked in together and have this sort of symbiotic relationship. I think you really see so many shining examples of that of that mental toughness and that physical toughness and that sort of I guess just that power of will. It's honestly something that you need to dig into. If if this has kind of given you the desire to go do that, then throw yourself in head first. You will not be disappointed. Go check out Living Adaptive on social media. As he said, it's living underscore adaptive on most social medias. I believe he's got a website. He's definitely got a YouTube channel where you can see the video versions of the podcast. But dig into the audio ones too. Plenty of incredible, just awe-inspiring stories absolutely love what scott's doing and it was an absolute pleasure to have him on because just you know i I love what he's doing and and he just is as i said at the top sincere to the core so yeah if you're listening scott you are welcome back on the show anytime to give us updates on what's happening or to just shoot the breeze about anything you want there is always an open door for you back here on dimed out next week don't know why i started with that but you can have it Next week, we're going to be doing the first of a two-part episode special with one of my long-term besties and wife of previous guests, Sean. We're going to be talking to Rachel. Rachel is absolutely wonderful. She's funny and she's weird. And she won't have a problem with me saying that because I'm weird too and we're just kind of weirdos in sync with each other. So, yeah. (laughs) We're going to be talking about a whole range of things, mainly her new venture, starting a new business for herself, a new ethically based, eco friendly, eco based business. You know, the challenges, the joys of that, of pursuing something that she's passionate about. We talked about that a little bit in this episode about, you know, the fact that as far as any of us know, we get one shot at this. So why wouldn't you want to take that shot and do something that you love, something that you're passionate about? And that's exactly what Rachel is doing. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about that, about all the challenges, all the excitement, all all of the stuff involving that. So, yeah, if you're thinking of starting a business, you're thinking of starting a venture of some similar proportion, definitely something to check out. But we're also going to be diving into some strange, weird stuff, because, as I said, we're both a pair of weirdos in sync with each other's weirdness. We're going to be talking about Sonic Baths. Uh, different meditation practices, um, different weird experiences we're both interested in, and lots of strange little anomalies and bits and pieces as well. So yeah, quite a lot going on in the next two episodes with Rachel, and it's definitely one you don't want to miss. And the best way that you can avoid missing next week's episode, or in fact, any episode, because I don't want that for you. I don't want that eternal heartache that comes with missing an episode of Dime Down. I don't want that for you you deserve better. We deserve better. The best way to do that, to save yourself from that pain, is to simply subscribe to the show via whatever podcast platform you get your podcasts from. It really is that simple. And we are pretty much anywhere because we're just really kind of overly available like that. Yeah. What can I say? Anyway, so subscribe to the show. that You never miss an episode. You help us out. And if you want to help us out a little bit more, if you want to be like Suggs and go one step beyond, you can always give us a rating and a review. That helps with all the internet guffing. I don't even know what guffing means. Sure. It's what the internet's made of. It's full of guffing. If you want to get in touch with me about the show or anything else, for example, you may be one of those lunatics that actually does think pineapple belongs on a pizza, then you can tell me about that. You'll still be wrong, but you can tell me about that, and you can do so by finding me on the internet, on the social meds, as the kids don't ever say, which are Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at IamMalfoster. You can tell me all about your terrible taste in pizza and your enjoyment of the show over there. Other than that, you know, if you haven't yet, and you live in the US, do make sure to vote. I mean, I shouldn't have to be telling you this, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. If you haven't already... Get yourself registered if you can. Vote early. Just, you know, in the the words of Shia LaBeouf. Do it! Just do it! And on that note, thank you for listening as always. Look after yourself, guys. Look after each other. And until next time, keep it dimed out.